0: And now a reading from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 1 to 6 and 27 to 34, which can be found in your pew bibles on page 788. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favour in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. <clears throat> the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. And again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals just as I watched over them uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy and bring disaster. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you and to gather now around God's word and uh, learn for the last time, uh, for the immediate future anyway, from the book of Jeremiah, the final in our series. You know, it used to be that you only bought batteries or a torch, or maybe a children's toy. But at the moment, we're going through a a technology revolution with batteries, aren't we? And the way this affected me recently is that I've bought some tools for working outside. So I now have a mower, which has an electric motor, and you plug a battery in it to make it work. Uh, I have a blower to clear the leaves away, and also a vacuum, which can suck them up, and a trimmer for the hedges. And I'm sure in, other, in time there'll be a lot of other tools as well where it's all just powered by batteries. And I have to say these battery tools are so much easier to use than the old ones that use petrol. They start in an instant, there's less vibration, and they're a lot lighter. So there's something new happening out there in the battery world, isn't there? Something uh, quite radical, in, and, and not just with batteries, but with everything. Uh, that's coming. Well, today we come to the final week in our series on Jeremiah and this pivotal chapter 31, which has the promise of a new covenant. Uh, If you've got it open in front of you, it'd be very helpful. Page 789, 789 in the Pew Bible if uh, you're using that. Otherwise, if you could look up Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. And write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. What a wonderful message of encouragement that must have been to the people of God in exile in Babylon. Remember, last week we talked about the exile, we talked about whether this was the end for Israel, how in their minds they must have been thinking uh, maybe our nation is over. You know, nations rise, nations fall. There's nations in antiquity that we don't know anymore. Maybe they thought they were going that way. Maybe they were wondering, whatever happened with the covenant to Abraham, the promise to be a great nation? Whatever happened with the covenant with Moses and the salvation of the Exodus and the giving of the law? Maybe they were wondering about the covenant with King David, the promise of an everlasting dynasty. They're asking, where is God in the midst of this disaster? Well, Jeremiah chapter 31 assures them that there is hope. A new covenant is coming. God has not forgotten them. Uh, There's a new covenant coming which will both fulfill and transcend all these previous covenants. God will keep his promises, but not in a way the people could possibly have imagined as they heard uh, Jeremiah's prophecy. Uh, I wonder if it would have been a bit like us, uh, say, going in a time warp back to the 1960s and trying to explain to people there what the 2020s would look like with everything powered by batteries. Do you think they'd believe you? Well, for these people to imagine what the new covenant must have been like while they're languishing in exile there in Babylon probably a similar difficulty to grasp it but you know they didn't have to grasp everything all they had to grasp is that God had not forgotten them there was a new covenant coming there was hope now in a similar way for us today who do know the new covenant we can sometimes still have trouble grasping the future and all the implications of that covenant I mean, the promises of this covenant of a life forever with our Creator redeeming God in a wonderful new creation. Can you imagine that? Sometimes, you know, what's it really going to be like? <laughs> it's, it's hard to grasp the detail, isn't it? To take it all in. But when we look at Jesus, you know, we can believe the promises and we can have hope. And in the end, that's all we need. We need to know the one who makes the promises, Uh, And then we can have hope that they will be fulfilled. Well, for the people of Jeremiah's day, the promise was that after 70 years, they would return from the promised land and God would restore the nation. Uh, Jerusalem would again be the capital of the nation. The temple would be restored in Jerusalem. Uh, The people would again have this visible sign of God's presence with them and a future and a hope. And and look at the lovely picture Jeremiah gives them at the start of chapter 31. And those words that we read there, say from verse 4, where he says, I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. God is going to build up the nation once again. Uh, They'll plant their vineyards, there'll be rich harvest, they'll go to Jerusalem, to Zion, and they'll again be worshipping the Lord. I wonder if you recall back in chapter 1, six weeks ago, we looked at the call of Jeremiah. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 10. Do you remember what Jeremiah was appointed to do? It said there uh, that he would uproot and tear down, he would destroy and overthrow, he would build and plant. So over these weeks, we've seen prophecies of Jeremiah uh, talking about the nation being overthrown, being torn down. But here now is the prophecy of the renewed nation being built up, being planted. And if you look there, did you hear it, recognise it in verses 27, 28 of 31? Uh, the call narrative reinforced. Uh, it says there, when I will plant the king... Sorry, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with, sorry, sorry with the offspring of people and animals... Just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down, to overthrow and destroy and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. And so uh, that call narrative has is coming through again and again throughout the letter uh, and once again here. But now not in terms of God pulling down, but God's planting and rebuilding and the people will be restored In the Promised Land. But the New Covenant, of course, is much bigger than a return to the Promised Land. It's actually the New Testament. The word testament means covenant, it's it's the New Testament. And the question in my mind is, well, in what way is this New Covenant new compared to the Old Testament? Verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. But wasn't the law put in their minds and written on their hearts in the Old Covenant as well? Uh, if you go back to Deuteronomy six four, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, 18, it says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. So what is new about the new covenant when it talks about it being written on our hearts? How is it different? Well, I pondered that for quite a while. I looked up a number of commentaries. Couldn't find an answer. <laughs> Then I thought, well, you know what's different? What's the Sunday school answer? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus makes it different. So that everything that's gone before, uh, Jesus is far superior to everything. He will make it all new. And I want to point out three ways uh, this morning in which Jesus reshapes the covenant and makes it new. Firstly, Jesus makes it personal. Jesus is God come in the flesh. God reveals himself in many ways in the Old Testament, but there's no clearer way than this, coming in person, the person of Jesus. John 1, 17 and 18 says this. It says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God, is the, and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. So we don't have to live in a fog about God. We have a revelation and it's Jesus. Uh, and so he makes God personal for us. And this is not just head knowledge but heart knowledge. And there's a number of passages we could refer to here but I, I want to take us to the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew where Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and redefines them in terms of our hearts. And so you'll get uh, the commandment not to not murder it. And Jesus says this He says, You've heard it said you shall not murder. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So it's 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 not just the letter of the law and the outward act of murder, but what's going on in the heart. Uh, and then Jesus also said, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery to it with her in his heart. And so can you see how Jesus takes the letter of the law and applies it to people's hearts? And I think this is the, what Jeremiah is pointing to in his prophecy. In the new covenant, the law will be written on their hearts. So Jesus makes it personal. He's God in the flesh, and then he takes the old covenant and redefines it in very uh, deep and personal ways, applies it to our hearts. Now, secondly, the new covenant is new because Jesus offers a better sacrifice. At the Last Supper, uh, Jesus takes uh, the cup, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's Luke's version. So in the old covenant, it was the blood of animals which was offered to take away sin. In the new covenant, it will be the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Hebrews 9.12 and following says this. Jesus did not enter the tabernacle by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ uh, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we might serve the living God? So the new covenant is new because the blood of Jesus is so much superior to the blood of bulls and goats. He shed his blood that it might broke, break open our hearts uh, to to want to love and obey him. Uh, so it's the new covenant in his blood. Then thirdly, uh, it's a it's a new covenant because of the Spirit. Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John fourteen sixteen. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. And we know that Spirit of Truth came at Pentecost, but that Holy Spirit is present in every Christian who declares Jesus is Lord. When you submit your life uh, and declare Jesus is Lord, you cannot do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And so followers of Jesus have this new life in the Spirit, a new life where God softens our hearts to live for him. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. And uh, I brought with me this wonderful illustration I've been preparing all week uh, that talks about <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. Uh, and you know what it says? It says, you show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on the tablets of human hearts. And uh, God wants to write on those hearts a story, a story about Jesus and how he's transforming your life. Uh, And uh, it's, it's, it's new, it's so different. And it's about the Spirit, this new life we have in the Holy Spirit. So, my friends, there are three important ways in which the new covenant is totally new. Firstly, Jesus makes it personal. Secondly, Jesus offers a better sacrifice. And thirdly, Jesus promises the gift of the Spirit. We're living in a world which is always looking for something new, isn't it? A new model, new technology. New ways of thinking. Human beings have a habit of getting bored very quickly and so we're always looking for something new. Well, God provided the new thing, you know, 2,000 years ago. Jesus is God come in person to show us how much he loves us and wants to give us. We don't have to keep hankering after the latest trend to try and relieve our boredom. Jesus promises to provide us with everything we need People today are looking in all the wrong places, so how do we share this new covenant with them, these incredible truths we've looked at this morning? I want to suggest one way we have at the moment is through Alpha. Uh, Alpha is sometimes 10 weeks, but we're doing the eight-week version of the course, Uh, and it's a great uh, way of looking at the enormity of the new covenant, but in portions that we can cope with week by week. Um, the New Covenant's enormous, isn't it? But Alpha breaks it down into digestible portions so that each week we look at a different topic and uh, cover the basics that, uh, of this whole wonderful New Covenant. And Alpha does it in a very open, friendly and welcoming environment. My friends, there's so many people out there in our world who are living lives of quiet desperation people who are lonely, people who need our friendship, but also the friendship of God. And Alpha is a wonderful way we can show them that friendship and lead them into the new thing that God wants to do in their lives and the excitement of following Jesus. That will lift anyone out of your boredom (laughs) Uh, to follow him. And uh, we have a wonderful way of doing that through Alpha. Come and talk to me and Linda if you'd like to know more. So today is our last Sunday in Jeremiah. How have you gone with it? Some tough stuff in Jeremiah, isn't there? Tough stuff of a holy God and his absolute standards. Tough stuff about his judgment on idolatry. That he alone has to be Lord. But there's also much hope in Jeremiah. We looked at the story of the potter's house. Remember that? And God wants to shape us into a beautiful pot. There was God's promise of a future and a hope, even though the people were in exile. And now this morning, this promise of a new covenant, which of course we know is the promise of Christ and the gift of the Spirit. We've moved from judgment through to hope. In this wonderful verse, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.